This podcast is brought to you by Jeff Havens, the author of Innovation Made Simple, and also Us Versus Them, redefining the multi-generational workplace to inspire your employees to love your company, drive innovation, and embrace change. In this interview with Jeff, he speaks about the fact that innovation doesn't have to be scary, and everything big starts with something small. Jeff is a renowned workshop leader and speaker on the subject of innovation, and he really does make the topic, which sometimes can be overwhelming, very simple. If you want to learn about the steps that Jeff outlines in his book, join us for podcast number 638, where we explore the creative process of innovation. If you want to learn more about Jeff Havens, you can go to www.jeffhavens.com where you can watch videos and become more familiar with Jeff and his services. Please enjoy this podcast with Jeff Havens about innovation made simple. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And Don, as I do every time I come on one of these shows, I thank my listeners because without them, there, there wouldn't be any show. And I keep saying every time I repeat this, uh, 11 years on the air now doing this uh, 600 and approaching 640 podcasts. So that's a lot of podcasts. And Don Hill is a returning guest to our uh, program. Don has been on the show several times before talking about books that have been published by the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And I've been fortunate enough to be able to meet Don. And he is just a wonderful gentleman with a big, sincere heart and a big passion for what Napoleon Hill Foundation is doing. This book is called The Path to Personal Power uh, by Napoleon Hill, also the author of Think and Grow Rich. And it's an official publication of Napoleon Hill Foundation. You can find this at amazon.com and all your best booksellers. Um, And this book goes back a ways, Don, but I think the key is um, for our listeners, for them who want to find out more about your foundation, just please go to www.napnaphill.org. Um, almost every one of the books I'm sure that the foundation has uh, put up is there. And you can learn more about it. You can learn more about their courses, uh, visit the bookstore, uh, and actually just get in touch with anybody at the Hill Foundation. So, you know, this was written in 1941. Um, the book is a series of lessons that Napoleon Hill wrote um, at the urging of Dr. Plummer. Now, these lessons were called the mental dynamite lessons uh, that we're going to be speaking about. And there are three that are covered in the book. Um, what are the three, Don, and why do you believe that a whole book was just dedicated to these three lessons um, versus all of the lessons? Well, Greg, there are two of the most important ones. The first one is definite purpose, in which he emphasized over, over, and over that it was the starting point of all achievement. He defined people without a purpose as drifters. In other words, they had no aim, no goal in life. They just took one day at a time. And so that one, that one is a starting point. I think most of us agree to it, is knowing what you want to do in life. And, of course, the second one is a mastermind principle, which he contributed to uh, learning that from uh, Andrew Carnegie. Carnegie did not know the steelmaking business, but he had enough know-how to get the right people and put them together and working in 
called it perfect harmony. They were had one common goal, which was produce mass production of steel. Uh, people thought he was buying up the other mills to uh, so he could raise the prices. He cut the prices tremendously and was a tremendous success. And he used the best chemists, the best accountants, the best attorneys, and so forth he could find. And he had that working relationship with them and was able to accomplish uh, things that no way that you could accomplish yourself. I mean, you could be the best artist in the world, but if you don't have somebody to help uh, promote you socially and, and, and promote through media and so forth, just like these interviews, you know, if you do it, and they say, they told us if you beat a, made a better bousetrap, they'd beat your door, pass through your door. But not if someone like Greg Voison don't tell them about it or not, uh, because you can you can have it and, unless you get the word out. Some way or another, you contact the right people. And, of course, today we have the social media. I have a Facebook account that's got more than a half a million followers on it. And um, and that's where this podcast will go to once it's, re- once it's released. So the mastermind is extremely important if you're going to accomplish a lot in life. Uh, I guess we could say no man's an island. We have to work with others mm-hmm. if we're going to expect to get maximum results. And, of course, the third one's going the extra mile, in which uh, me, I put personally put a tremendous lot of emphasis on this because it's just a little bit of extra. I don't care if you're being waited on in a restaurant or what you're doing. It's a, doing a little bit beyond. He'll give so many examples in his writings of going the extra mile, and he kept saying over and over again, this is the principle you can do. You don't need permission. You know, you don't need permission from the employer to come in five minutes early or to work over 30 minutes or something if you're working on an important project. I remember being interviewed by a guy that was a is a fabulously wealthy, and I would put him in the in with the uh, top five most uh, successful people I've ever been around. He hired me in the banking business, and he, I'll never forget the interview, and it was back in um, 1975. I guess that's 42 years ago. He told me, he said, you know, and of course, I found out he had read the books. He said, you do a little extra one day. He said, probably nobody pay attention. He said, you do a little extra for a week. He said, nobody might not pay attention. But he said, you continue to do that. He said, at some point in your life, you're, born, you're going to be a success that most of the world are only dreaming about. And I never, I never forgot his words. Yeah, I, I was listening to a, a video this morning that somebody sent to me, and the gentleman was speaking about, uh, changing a habit 1% per day, just 1%, put 1% extra effort in. And I, I believe in that totally. I mean, I hadn't been, wouldn't be doing these shows if I didn't believe in actually putting in a little bit extra effort, because as my listeners know, uh, there is no big remuneration from this. There's absolutely none. I do this for them, uh, number one, and then I do it for me. Um, now, Napoleon Hill stated that all riches and all material things that anyone acquires through self-effort began in the form of what we just called a clear, concise mental picture of the one thing one seeks. Now, you just talked about that in definiteness of purpose. Um, How did Hill help people create, or how would Don Green help people create this clear mental picture? I find that you know, the more I'm out there, the more there is, as you know, this world is just full of options. 
that sometimes it becomes very difficult for people to kind of nail it down. What yeah. would you say are the, some of the processes that you would use to help them nail down that definiteness of purpose? Well, the we, uh, we were told growing up that people would make such statements, I believe it when I see it. No, they got it just backwards. You have to be able to see it first. You have to have a clear vision of it, a mental picture. We think in pictures. If I said, Greg, let's get a hamburger, you can visualize that hamburger. Uh, you think we think in pictures, and uh, and uh, it's it's just so important for people to learn to see themselves where they want to be, not where they are. If they keep seeing themselves in poverty, guess what they're going to get? They're going to get what they, they're going to get what their mind concentrates on. They mm -hmm. have to see themselves. It's no different than taking a trip, or going to the beach. You have to have that in your inner vision of what the place is going to look like even though you might not have been there before at where you're going. So it gives us it gives us, gives us directions. It gives us something else that we say shoot at. Uh, and we, we must have that. But as long as we're concentrating on just where we are and not where we want to be, and that's the reason I, I say this material in education. I sit on the board of the University of Virginia now, I think, for about 20 years. And I said if I had to define the education or learn this material, it's simply that. It's a bridge that takes us from where we are to where we want to be. And, mm -hmm. it's just, and it's just that simple. That's what it's for. It's to take us from where we are to where we want to be. Right. And to do it with, uh, I, I'm going to say, with less resistance, right? The more knowledge you have, the more opportunity you have to apply that knowledge to something that you didn't know how to get there before. So I think whether it's a degree or it's getting extremely involved in reading materials from Napoleon Hill or whatever your favorite person is. It's all learnings that can be applied to, you know, I just wrote a book called Hacking the Gap, and the definition is to get from point A to point B with the least amount of resistance, the highest amount of personal and professional growth while reaching your human potential. And that's a mouthful, but the reality is, is that that's what everybody's looking for. Now, Hill said the only way known of ensuring that a definite a purpose will be carried out to a full realization is through the forces of the natural laws working through the mind of men to be first establish a cause for such realization through useful service. And I'm going to put an emphasis on that useful service rendered in the spirit of harmony. How does Don Green... And the Hill Foundation suggests to these listeners out there that are listening to us today that they create a mindset of useful service. Well, uh, we won't. We, we normally we don't get into religion, but there's a verse in the Bible that comes in real handy. Acts twenty thirty five. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And you know the golden rule uh, is a, is a very simple principle, but uh, seems to be real hard. For people to do it, they're waiting to be paid before they start doing something or another. And the act we do is, I just I read a story in TED Talks uh, uh, by the uh, the author, and uh, he's told a story of a gentleman uh, uh, befriending these two young boys' brothers coming back from a high school basketball game. They was on a bus, and they stopped to eat, and the boys had no money, so this guy befriended them. And said, "I'm gonna pay for y'all's uh, meal, just and, and, uh, and nothing will be said about it. Just you return the favor someday." 
And so one of these guys, he he never forgot it. He he became uh, fabulously wealthy. And today he he in the school start he has thousands of kids. He starts out in the school year each year with supplies and all for. In other words, he never done nothing for the man that did it for him. But uh, he, he it put him in such a frame of mind of an uh, act of kindness he did. He was re- he was rewarded. Maybe not through that direct thing, but it comes back to you. And what uh, what given does to you, it puts you in a frame of mind where you can be creative. You can't be angry, jealous, and have hatred uh, on your mind and expect to be creative. It just won't happen. You should, and when you're in those states of mind, you shouldn't even be behind the wheel because you can't function properly. Mm-hmm. Agreed. No, it it is a mindset of giving, um, and it, without the expectation of receiving something in return. I think that story you just told about the man with those young men uh, giving him a meal is a great example of that. It stuck with him for all of his life to be able to do that. Now, in in Hill's interview with Andrew Carnegie, Carnegie speaks with him about the mastermind group concept. Um, I know for many of my listeners, they've heard this. I don't know how many have actually participated in a mastermind group. Um, I'm actually going to go into a new one uh, starting next week. What is the mastermind group and why should our listeners organize or join or get involved with a mastermind group in your estimation? Well, I'm sure some of those speakers say that, you know, we're the, we're the average of, of the people we spend the most time with. Of course, that's good or bad, you know, that people would have a, a, a effect on us. But if we was going to start, well, I'll give you an example. I was going to start doing a, uh, a, a, a retail business from a ground-up construction. And they were, and I had a partner who had built buildings and so forth, and, and I just really couldn't see the parking and the, and what was needed and so forth. And and he could sit down with a ruler and a pencil and take the copy of the uh, plan of the land and draw it out and uh, and and you know put it in place. So we need other people's talents that are working towards a common goal because it's hard for one person. For example to write a book and do all the publicity on it and, and do everything that needs to be done on it. It takes more than one person. It takes more than just the author. Uh, as one guy, one author said, John Sheed, said that he said was uh, almost anybody can write a book. He said the hardest thing in the world comes to sell it. And so that's where the, that's where the help comes in from other people working towards a common goal, which would be to, which would be to sell the, which would be to sell the book. And, uh, when we can employ other people, I guess the best compliment my wife ever gave me, I don't know if she meant it or not, but someone was eating and um, some women she worked in a uh, uh, charity, charity thing with them, and they said, now Don sold the bank. said, what's he doing now? What's he working at? And my wife told him, said, Don's never worked at anything. said, he always gets somebody else. And, and meaning I've always worked with groups uh, because I don't know technical skills, but I can find somebody that does. And they sold many of them. And, uh, you know, I got a top-notch uh, uh, attorney. I don't uh, I don't sign documents uh, uh, with uh, billion-dollar companies that have been burned by high-priced lawyers without getting a lawyer of equal talents to go through it and tell me if it's safe for me to sign or not. Uh, I'm not with Cardiano Insurance. I'm not trained enough to know if I've got adequate coverage when I read the uh, 
with the uh, uh, policy or not. And so we have to use other people if we're going to have maximum results because we, we, we just simply don't have time enough to grasp it all. We try to get a good knowledge of it and, and find out what we do need. But then, but then the important thing is to associate ourselves within a like mastermind that to make the circle complete. Yeah, very, very rich. Uh, I think that when you find the right people in a mastermind group where we're complimenting one another or they're complimenting one another, the gifts and the benefits to everybody in the group are massive. Um, there can be some monumental changes in your life when you're in the right mastermind group. Now, Carnegie speaks about nine major motives, which are, and I'm going to list them for our listeners, love, sex, financial gain, self-preservation, freedom of body and mind, self-expression, life after death, anger, and fear. Um, can you speak to the listeners about these motives and how they inspire really us to take action? I would think some people might look at those and go, well, okay, I get some of them, but maybe I don't get all of them. And they're, they're listed in the book and they're very clear and very well articulated. Well, I guess it's easier for some people for, for some uh, see something or other. It's easier for them to understand it as others. But, uh, for example, as part of the mastermind, everyone has to have something or other. They've got a common goal, but to get people to uh, cooperate, they have to be something other in it for them, something to motivate them. And different things motivate different people. For example, if you and I was, for example, was going to, uh, was living in, I'll just pick Wilmington, North Carolina, because that's which where uh, Michael Jordan went to school. If we was involved in something other, we'd like to get his help and and tell him, well, we can give you a few thousand bucks. That probably wouldn't motivate Michael Jordan. You know, I think one year he made $75 million. But if it's something other he had a like for, his school or almost, or something other in sports or something other, uh, that would be more attractive to him if we was doing something other that he, he saw something in it for him. And it's not always just money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and the other motives is, is also, I mean, uh, 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 fear. Uh, I think fear was one of the more important ones. It can do one of two things. It can either stop us, or it can propel us. You know, we can we can just freeze up, or we can say, "Hey, I'm doing something about this." Uh, you know, I'm I'm in control here. I'm not let, going to let fear, because everybody has fear to some extent. But it's a matter where we control the fear, or we let the fear control us. It's mm-hmm. just, and it's just that, and it's just that simple, because. Uh, People have a, people have a fear of failing. They don't they don't go out on the limb. They don't try new things because they're they're thinking, well, then I don't make it. My spouse is going to say, well, I told you it wouldn't work. The friends say, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Uh, you you going to do that? Are you crazy? And then you get thinking, well, everybody says I can't. I guess they're right. They know more than I do. So uh, we can either let that that fear of criticism. And, and the other other types of fear uh, keep us from accomplishing anything in life. But I used to tell my wife, I've, I'm, I've always been real real heavy in the stock market investments, and um, she never was real anxious to, to learn it. And uh, she trusted me wholly. But I told her one day, I said, the biggest risk in life is taking no risk at all. Right, right. Nope, those are, those are definite words of wisdom. And uh, it does require that... You know, I, I, I had an illustrator put on the front of my book, a guy jumping a chasm. 
And I say, look, it, being an entrepreneur and going out there on your own and, and trying something new um, does require that you face your fears and you're always in reinvention. Um, when you're doing that, you're reinventing yourself, you're inventing a new product or service that you're bringing to the market and it requires a tremendous amount of courage. Now yeah. in, in, go ahead. I started to say, uh, I know I have a friend who was, a, was not a college graduate. He took my class in 1970, gosh, I don't know, a long time back, many years ago, when I started at the college. He took my class. It's mostly business people that knew me from banking. I taught Keys to Success 12 times. It's been taught about 20 years. And I had a guy in my class, and he had a little convenience store. And he, he said he took in $3.20 the first day. And he said, you know, he kept working, staying open later and later and not taking a break or nothing, not going on vacation or what have you. And I could see he was doing pretty good. And one day I saw him in the bank and I, I walked over to him. I said, hey, I know where his little store for sale. I said, this man and woman, I got them on the books. They're getting a divorce. It's out close to an elementary school. And it's really busy. I said, your sold store. It doesn't have gas or anything, but you can get it for $75,000. He said, man, I ain't got no $75,000. I said, I'll loan it to you. He said, you crazy? I said, no, I'll loan it to you. I'm sure you can pay it back. Make a long story short, about five years ago, and I wasn't a part of, part of that business, so I've done, I've done numerous businesses with him, from developing a Walmart to uh, property to nursing homes to dry cleaners to retail establishments, lots of things. But anyway, he kept building those stores up, and his income come in. He got so he could do a million-dollar store, uh, complete with car wash and uh, a fast food uh, drive through and all this other stuff. But he sold out. He sold out about five or six years ago for $45 million. Wow. And, uh, and <laughs> he, he had to overcome a little fear. And, of course, he's not content. Today he's got five new car dealerships. And so uh, have lunch with him once a week or so. I said, how's it going? He said, you know, man's got to have something to keep him busy. And he said, car business keeps you busy. Yeah. Well, that is quite a, a a good story about overcoming your fears, you know, going all the way back to loaning him $75,000 as his banker. Uh, you had a lot of trust and faith in him and obviously a, a lot of uh, no fear about what you thought he could do. You know, in this book, uh, Hill interviews Dr. Gates and Gates explains two features of major interest in connection with the mastermind principle. Um, can you tell our listeners those two features that Gates was talking about in the book? Well, the, I, I was like referring to it, it had to be people contribute something to the group. Not you don't you don't get your brother-in-law or your brother because you like him or whatever. You it, it has to be somebody that adds to it, and they have to work in they're working towards a common goal, and they have to work in perfect harmony. Right, uh, and uh, uh, and. And sometimes you have people in it that don't fit in, and that's reason he says, if if uh, you and I you and I start a group, we both agree on who the third one is, and then if it's three of us, then and we're taking a fourth one, we three agree on who the fourth one is. So therefore, we don't have someone coming into the group that's not going to fit in and harmonize with the other other people, and so the people that you select is the as the Absolutely, most important. Yeah, so so much so. And you know, earlier you did talk about going this extra mile. We made a, a, a 
a little comment about it in the early part of our interview here. But Hill does speak a lot, and definitely in this book, The Path to Personal Power, um, the going the extra mile is a big part. I mean, you have three major sections in this book, and you covered them at the beginning under the mental dynamite lessons. What is the principle and how would you suggest to our listeners, give them some ideas about what they might do and what are some of the advantages for doing more than one is paid for and going the extra mile? Well, I said before in the interview, that's the one thing you can do without uh, anybody's anybody's uh, getting anybody's permission. But the... Uh, the benefit of it is is, a, is simply a, he gives examples. Um, you as increasing returns. Uh, some of the examples he gave in different books. Uh, one of them example he gave about a, a Kansas City farmer planting a seed, and the first year he never uh, he never uh, uh, he never used any of it. He planted it all back, and he continued to do that. And I think on the fourth or fifth year, he has like you know he gets a, he, he's up in thousands thousands of dollars because of we don't just plant one seed and get one seed back. If we did, the old man would start finally starve to death because he's got to eat part of it. So it's a law of increasing returns, and that's what we did. We're going the extra mile. You know, I had a I had a little girl one time doing interviews, and she said, "You know, there's so much discrepancy in incomes." She said, uh, "She said that uh, uh, some people make ten times as much as others." And I said, "Yeah, some people make a hundred or make a thousand times this." But I said, if you believe in our system, that's a marketplace. But I said, the thing of it is, there's nobody holds you down. Nobody says, hey, this is all you can do. Because it, uh, he'll relied a lot on Ralph Waldo Emerson's compensation theory of compensation. He said, if you do more than what you're being paid for, you'll either be recognized by your employer or someone else will steal you away. And you have to believe that. If you're sitting there scared to death, well, I'll start doing more when they start paying me more. You got it backwards. Right. You got to, you've got to believe that if you do an extra job, that you'll be recognized, and that's and that's always the case. I mean, he gave us all examples. I think the the, the example he gave in one of his book uh, um, from uh, Carol Downs, the guy that was a bank clerk, went to work for a guy. Long story short, he was he worked he worked late, and the first day he offered to sharpen up, asked to could he help uh, Mr. Durant, and uh, he said, Yeah, I need a pencil sharpener. He went and sharpened him too. But he told him, he said, that gong went off with quit time. He said, well, everybody was in such a hurry, I thought I'd check and see if you need anything. He's promoted in six months. Later, he was uh, made uh, superintendent, but he gave speeches later in life. He said, sharpen them pencils, the extra pencils, he said, paid him somewhere around $10 million. <laughs> and the reason it paid him $10 million, Durant was the founder of General Motors, and he gave the old boy stock options. And uh, he cashed in on it, but it all came about from going the extra mile, from letting the guy in the bank after the bank was closed to cash a check because he recognized him and the vaults hadn't been closed uh, to on his first day on his new job, but sharpening an extra pencil for the guy and then going by his office the other day says, Mr. Rank, could I do anything before I leave? And and uh, he got recognized. You know, if you continued, I never, I never applied but for one job in my life. And as a first job, someone contacted me after that because uh, well, uh, they called me a young hotshot because I was in a, I was in my early twenties and had guys in the forties working for me because I just I enjoyed what I was doing and and I went about I went about it that way 
in the same way same way today. Uh, you know, the job I got now, I did write a nice letter to, the, to them. I told them what I'd done, and they got in contact with me, offered me a position on the board, and then I was the bank president, and they offered me a job running the foundation, so we sold the bank. I've been doing this for 17 years. But you get recognized, and you have to believe that. Otherwise, you'll never get ahead in life. Well, I can tell you one thing. The Napoleon Hill Foundation certainly found the, the ideal person in you, Don. I've dealt with you for many, many years, and uh, this is just an accolade out to you. Um, my respect and honor for the way you treat other people, uh, your responsiveness. Uh, you are definitely the person that goes the extra mile, uh, that collaborates with people, that tries to get more done all the time. And I sincerely appreciate that in you and in the foundation. And I think when our listeners go uh, and connect with the foundation to either buy a book or get a course or anything, you will find that, that what you hear from Don Green actually trickles down to everybody in the foundation. And I'm um, honored to be able to work with you and, and to share these books that are of huge service to people uh, in the world. All they've got to do is go get them and, and buy them. And for my listeners, uh, we've been on today with Don Green. He's the executive director of Napoleon Hill Foundation. And again, I'll repeat where you can go to get more information. It's www.napnaphill.org. And the book that we've been talking uh, to Don about today is called The Path of Personal Power. Uh, these are writings from 1941 uh, that they've published in this book. Um, which really are, are three main of the um, the three main principles that we've been discussing today. So, Don, thanks so much for being on Inside Personal Growth, um, spending some time with my listeners this morning uh, to talk about the past of personal power. And any parting words for the listeners out there today? Yeah, Greg, I really I really appreciate what you do. It really helps us out because I tell you what, our passion is is helping other people. I mean, I don't mean to brag about, you know, what I accomplished or anything, but every day I see a change so I can help someone else. And they just, I don't care if it's, I just hung up from a call from a guy from New Zealand uh, from some someone else. And sometime or another, we have 10 minutes. I'll explain to you the mental dynamite, how mental dynamite comes about, their terminology and all. It's just fa fascinating uh, how the mental dynamite originated. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a story in itself. Uh, uh, because I know I'm sure you're familiar with R.U. Darby in the Three Feet from Gold. I am. Uh, yeah. So he actually did a series of lectures uh, in 1933, and Darby sponsored them, and he called it uh, Mental Dynamite Series, and uh, that's where he got the story from the Three Feet from Gold from Darby, and also the little girl, my mammy's got to have fifty cents. That's in thinking rich. These ads, I've got the ad from a Baltimore paper. It was 1933. Well, if for all of my listeners out there who are listening to Don right now, The Three Feet from Gold is a, a definite uh, book that everybody should pick up and read. Um, I know he did a, a new version of that as well, but, but in essence, uh, the story is that there's gold in your backyard. You don't have to go searching everywhere, um, and, and that is so true. That is so true. Yeah, it, it, talks, it gives us a good lesson on persistence, and I recently read the uh, autobiography of uh, Steve Jobs, the co-founder of Apple, and he said of all, all, of, all of things he possessed was his possession of perseverance. In other words, he had in his mind what he wanted to do, and he stuck with it. 
Yep. And that is the biggest uh, factor, I think, uh, of one of the, if you want to talk about laws of success, that's it. Just stick it, doing it and enjoy what you're doing and appreciate the people that are around you and, and love and bless everybody that's there. Don, thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you. And the second book in that series is called On Your Own Mind. It'll be out to the later part of the month. Uh, All right. So we'll do an interview for that one for my listeners as well. I'll be sure when they send me a box, I'll send you one of them, okay? Sounds good. Okay.